Grace and mercy and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. God's word for our meditation as we're working our way through the book of Ephesians in this series comes from Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Are peace and unity possible? You look at our world today, I don't know. (laughs) Really, almost everything that could divide us is, isn't it? I mean, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, income levels, color of skin, you name it. That's just the top. All of these things that, that in this world divide us from one another, that, that polarize us from each other, that, that make us look at each other differently and that cause hostility. Are peace and unity possible? I, I don't know in our world today. We look around and see the division that we have caused. For better or for worse, you know, our individualism has become our identity, hasn't it? That we often end up defining ourselves by the things that actually divide us. That's the way the world works. That's what we see out there. But not so in here. It might be that way in the world, but not so in the church. Not among God's people. Are peace and unity possible here? What about the differences that we have sitting here? I mean, you look around and All sorts of different people and different views, different ideologies, different backgrounds. I mean, there's so many things that would divide us from each other. And let's be honest, there has been divisions. Not just here, but in the church in general. Looking at people people differently because of their political stances. Looking at 
each other differently because of income levels or, or how much they come to church or what the color of their skin is, whatever it might be, have those divisions, those differences even entered into the church? Are peace and unity possible here? Well, friends, they're not only possible, but they absolutely are a reality. I mean, Satan wants nothing more than to drive a wedge between believers. He wants nothing more than to come into the church and sow division and sow hostility and to look at each other differently. That's, Satan loves that. He loves it when there's division among God's people. It might be that way out in the world, but not here. Not in the church. That's what this lesson before us from Ephesians 2 is all about this morning. The divisions that would seek to cause our differences and make us point out those differences and dwell on those differences. But that peace and unity are possible and are a reality for us. Paul is originally writing to a church in Ephesus that had division in it. In this church, you've got Jewish Christians, those who grow up knowing the, Jewish, knowing the Jewish and believing the Jewish faith and holding to all of the laws and the requirements of, of the Old Testament and Moses. But then you had these Gentile Christians, these who were, came from these pagan religion, religions, and they were brought in and... and they weren't bound by that law. They knew the gospel. They knew Jesus. And so you've got these, these Jews and these Gentiles, both Christians, but, but here in the same church, and, and they are so different in so many ways, culturally, racially, religious background and history. And these things, these differences were creeping into their church, into their worship life, and, and causing division and hostility, and, and making each other look differently at one another. And so Paul addresses that here and says that, no, all of this is gone. This is the new reality in the church. And friends, he speaks to us today too. When Satan wants to come and try to sow those divisions among us, to make us look at each other differently based on outward things, and says, yes, peace and unity are possible and are a reality. But how? <laughs> how? I mean, you look at our world, you look at the state of life, how is that possible, even here in the church? Well, it starts with a different question. How are peace and unity possible between us and God? Because I don't know about you, but I look at my life I look at the, the things that I do and the things that I say and even the things that go through my mind and, and see the divisions that I cause with people even close to me, people in my family, people here in the church, people out there, the divisions that I cause because I'm selfish, because I like to think about me. Because my first instinct is not to love. 
selflessly and unconditionally. And all of these sins against each other, first and foremost, are sins against God. Think about the division that, that you put between you and God through him saying this and me doing that. The division and the hostility that I cause between me and the whole mighty, holy, almighty, powerful God. And I know that those sins separate me from him. How are peace and unity possible for me? I mean, why should a God look at me and love me, much less tolerate me, or even want anything to do with me? But knowing that I should be cast away forever, separated from him forever, sent off for my sins against him and everyone else. How are peace and unity possible with God when I, when I see how I live and how I think? How are peace and unity possible with God, with a holy, almighty, just God? Paul tells us at the beginning of our lesson here. Even before he starts to, to get into the peace and the unity that these believers in this church should be having among each other, they, he talks and mentions the, the peace and the unity that we have with God. He says this, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself, Christ, is our peace. How is it possible to have peace and unity with God? Well, on our own, it's not. On our own, those sins separate us from God, and he should have nothing to do with us. There should be no peace within us. But Christ himself is our peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He is peace in the flesh for us. It is by his blood that those who were far away, that's you and me, have been brought near to God. That that dividing wall of hostility between us and God has been removed. That as it says here a little later, that, that in his flesh, in, the, in, in Jesus' flesh, he did away with all the commands and the regulations of the law. Because he came and did what we don't. What we can't. He came and he lived this perfect, sinless life. This perfect life of love for every other human being on this planet and for his heavenly Father. Perfectly. For you and for me. And he can hand that perfect life to the Father and say, see, the law has been fulfilled. In my flesh, I took care of that law. All the demands that you place on all of them, I took on myself and I did it perfectly for them. Peace. Knowing God is not demanding anything from us, but it's already been done in Christ. He himself is our peace. This one who goes to a cross and absolutely annihilates that barrier between us and our Heavenly Father. Between the holy, almighty, just God. There he takes upon himself all of our sins. All of our sins of division in our life. For all of the selfishness. For all the times we have not loved each other and loved our God as he demands. Jesus takes our punishment. So that we can have peace. 
as we just sang in that hymn, at that cross, that wrath of God was satisfied. There is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. In him we are redeemed. In him we are forgiven. In him we are promised that there is peace between us and God. We are reconciled to our Heavenly Father. How are peace and unity possible with a holy God? In Christ alone. In his perfect saving work for us. His life and his death and his resurrection to assure us that we are forgiven, that Satan's head has been crushed, that the gates to heaven are open, and that right now we're at peace with God and we are at u in unity with him through the work of Christ alone. He himself is our peace. And friends, that peace that God has established with us he says, you have peace and unity with me through Christ that we know, that we hold on to in this gospel, then, then flows over into our lives. There only is peace and unity, not only possible, but a reality among God's people. There only, in the peace and unity that we first have with God, can we then live in peace and unity with each other. This peace that we know then is among us. That's what Paul writes to these Ephesian Christians here. He says there's no more Jew, there's no more Gentile. We're one in Christ. Jesus has removed all those differences. All of those outward earthly differences mean nothing anymore because we have been united to one another in Christ. And friends, it's the same thing for us today. It doesn't matter what different earthly differences there might be among us. That's not who you really are. Your real identity is not your political affiliation or your income level or what any other outward differences there might be among us. Your true identity is in Christ. And that's the one thing that can unite us. That's the one thing that can bring peace between us and each other. Listen again to what Paul writes to these Christians and to us. He says, He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by the Spirit. Dear friends, think about this. You look around and, and yeah, it's easy to pick out the differences. It's easy to, to find reasons to be divided but not in the church. What can divide us when we know it unites us? That we worship the same triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That we believe in the same triune God. That we pray to the same triune God. How can any earthly differences divide us when we know who we are in Christ Jesus? That every single one of us is first and foremost, in God's sight, a blood-bought soul. 
by Jesus Christ himself. And what that means is that in the church, be that church here, here in this gathering or in your home, wherever it is, all are welcome. There are absolutely no outsiders. There is no one who does not belong. We are one. And all the earthly differences don't matter anymore. One, we know what our true identity and worth are. So what does this mean? What, is this, what does this look like in our lives? This means that, that we don't have to prove ourselves to each other. We don't have to puff ourselves up and show how great we are. No, we can live in humility. We can live in a spirit of service. Put away pride and simply serve one another in love as we have first been served. What does this mean? What does this look like? That there is truly peace and unity between us as Christians. It, it means that there's no room for putting each other down. It means that there's no room for looking down on somebody else because of any earthly differences that there might be between us. None. What does this look like? What does this mean as we live as the church, as we live united and in peace with each other? It means that we can respect and love each other even when there are earthly differences among us. We don't all have to have the same political viewpoints. We all are different and come from different backgrounds and have different experiences and different cultures. We have different colors of skin. We're at different economic levels. And it doesn't matter in Christ Jesus. We still respect and love each other no matter what those outward differences might be because because of this peace and this unity we have with God and then with each other. And what this means, friends, when we come together, that we get to forgive each other. And we get to have compassion for one another. That even when divisions might be caused, we can say, you're forgiven. You're at peace with God, we're at peace. Be at peace. There's unity, even when Satan is still trying to do his work. We go back to the cross. We take each other back to that, where that dividing wall of hostility was removed, where we're set free by the gospel to forgive and love and live in peace. Friends, when we get together, what this means is that we get to be united in our mission. We come together and we realize that we live and work with the same purpose. That what we're here for, gathered together as the church, is to grow in our faith and to encourage one another in faith and then to go and to share our faith. We're united in the mission that God has given his church to do. As you see the implications that this unity and peace has for us. It removes those differences. It unites us in thought and in mind in Christ Jesus to live and to work for his praise and glory. And I know, this is something we've got to work at, isn't it? Because, again, the world is trying to influence us. The world is trying to tell us that, no, you've got to be divided and these differences that we have, and these are the things that really define you, but they don't. This is not about losing your identity. This is not about losing who you are, but it's recognizing your true identity. It's found in Christ Jesus alone. That 
in the church, we're not defined by what divides us, but what unites us. That real identity where we find peace and unity. And we need to work at keeping that. We need to continue as Satan tries to come and sow these divisions among us and to point out our differences rather than what unites us. And so Paul tells us what we need to continue to do. This is how our lesson ends. He says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Friends, we, ha- we are built on the foundation of the word of God, the apostles and the prophets. This is our foundation. And Jesus Christ and his work for us is that chief cornerstone on which we build. And here we continue to build. Because it's only here where we find what unites us and brings us peace with God and with each other. We're not here in this place to talk about politics or to talk about how to fix the ills of our society and the problems of our world. No, we're here to gather around what unites us, the gospel. The good news of our Savior the good news of our sins forgiven, the good news of our new purpose and joy and peace in Christ. We come here to build our faith on what Christ has done for us and the peace that he has brought us and brings among us. And so we continue to be built on that building, on that, on that foundation. It wraps up here in verses 21 and 22. He says, in him, in Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The foundation's laid. Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone, but the building continues. The building of the church is an ongoing thing. We never stop building the church. No, we come here and we gather to strengthen ourselves in these truths, in this peace and the unity we have with God and then with each other. Notice here, it says this, we continue to be built. We're joined together. It rises. It's being built. This is the work of God. He sows this peace and unity among us through his gospel. And then... And then as we know it and we live it and we believe it, we get to go and share it. We get to go and show the world that is so divided, that is so hostile. We get to go into a world that is so polarized by basically absolutely everything and show that peace and unity are possible. Maybe not in the earthly things, but certainly in the things that matter most. In Christ Jesus to show that peace and unity are possible and are a reality, that there are many more that God wants to know his peace and to bring into this fellowship because this church is continuing to be built and rising as more souls are brought to know the peace of Christ. Friends, know this peace that you have with God. Let's live in that peace and unity that we share as fellow believers. And then to go and to share that peace with those who don't have it. With those who are longing for true peace. Found not in the things of this life, but in the things that only Christ can give. In Christ we have peace. Live in that peace. Grow in that peace. Let's get ready to go and share that peace. Amen.